T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Uh, Book, talk about what it's like playing with a 37-year-old to be on uh, yeah. Friday. Uh, to be. To be. And uh, to see what he's doing at this age? I mean, like I said earlier, man, it, it, it's super impressive, but it doesn't surprise me. So I've been watching it since I was seven or eight or two years old. <laughs> Relax. <laughs> nah, but, you know, just more than what he's doing on the court, just watching, you know, how he carries himself and just being a sponge to that, you know, seeing his routine, how he takes care of his body, you know, how his diet, his strength and conditioning. I mean, he can tell you better than I can, but he, he's feeling younger by the day. It's fun to be a part of. That's half Latino, Devin Booker right there, just in case you guys didn't know. There you go. See? It's Gabe Ramirez. You know where they at. I, Puerto Rican Bobby, you find them. Anthony, Aunt Her- if Aunt Heron knows one thing about me, it's that I've studied the Puerto Rican handbook. <laughs> and I know all my Puerto Rican brothers that are out there in professional <laughs> sports. There's not many of them out there, but that's just it. Uh, he was talking about the, the man that seems to consistently find the fountain of youth, Chris Paul. Jeez. And, you know... As Bulls fans, we've loved watching the mid-range game of DeMar DeRozan over the course of the year. But, geez, Chris Paul, get him within 15 feet of the rim. And with his handles, he can just knock down a shot for you, especially in crunch time. It's like a combination of all the good things that happened to the Bulls this year. Hmm. And uh, But we're going to talk uh, right now about not only the Suns, but everybody else that's left in the NBA playoffs. Let's welcome to the show NBA reporter for the Bleacher Report, Sean Hyken. Sean, what's going on? How are you guys doing? You know, not if you're asking me personally, and I'm taking that question personally, it's terrible. The Bulls are out of the playoffs. I mean, if you really want my real answer, Sean. So I have to watch these other teams and, and see all the holes that my my squad has. But but I do want to talk to you about the game that's going on right now. Philadelphia 76ers, Miami Heat. Sean, am I, am I crazy for thinking that the Miami Heat can win the NBA championship? I mean, I would say they're the number one seed in the East, so I don't think it's crazy. I mean, I would I would probably pick, just because the offense has been so inconsistent for them, uh, that I would probably pick either Boston or Milwaukee in the next round against them. But no, I don't think it's crazy at all. But, you know, something could break right and they could win. How do we view the this current version of the NBA postseason through the lens of, of the super team era that, that it's seemingly been going on for, for well over a decade at this point where the superstars kind of combine their powers and tends to lead squads to championships. And, you know, that that's just maybe not the case anymore. We're seeing the best teams in the NBA, you know, do seem to have more of a, a complete and deep roster and not necessarily just rife with Hall of Famers left and right. So do we think this, this super team era that we've been watching play out is now over? 
Well, when we talk about the super team era where, you know, a couple of guys team up and they end up winning a championship, you're really just talking about the, you know, the LeBron Miami years. And then when Kevin Durant went to the Warriors, a lot, a lot of these other, a lot of other times, it's really, you know, it's one or two guys and and depth. There's not a whole lot of, like, I don't think there's really as much of that kind of stuff going on as as there's, there's been some attempts at it. Obviously you saw what happened with uh, Brooklyn kind of flaming out and then what, happened with the Lakers a lot, a lot more often than not when you know a group of you know three superstars are kind of hyped up like that more often than not it doesn't actually end up happening yeah I mean when you're talking about super teams I mean it's it's, it's kind of where the NBA is headed right now with these three-headed monsters I mean you're looking at the Golden State Warriors with Dray- Draymond Clay and Steph coming back to try to win another NBA championship when looking at that particular series Sean who is the best player on the floor when it comes to the Memphis Grizzlies and Golden State Warriors? So far in the series, it's been John Morant. But over, you know, if you're saying which which one of these guys would you would you take in a seven game series, I think the answer is still Steph Curry. Yeah, I think you look at him and you see what he can do with the ball offensively and how he can control the game and what kind of defense how the defense has to play in order to defend against that. It's tough. I, I look at that 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 series, and obviously Memphis could be up 2-0 right now had John Morant made that left-hand layup to close mm-hmm. the game out. Would have been that close. But I still feel like Memphis has an opportunity to, to sneak by Golden State, even though they are the number two seed in this series. They absolutely have a chance to win the series. I think, you know, they... As much as, you know, yes, they were the higher seed, they had home court advantage, you would have liked for them to be up 2-0. This, is gonna, this series, I definitely think, is going to go long. And I think that uh, with, you know, I mean, with, you know you, those three guys you mentioned, Steph, Clay, Draymond, Clay Thompson has not been as effective since he came back from the two leg injuries as he uh you know, as he as he was before before the injuries, especially on the defensive end, guys are just kind of blowing by him. And you know, wherever you want to land on, you know, whether that foul that Dylan Brooks committed uh, in Game Two on Gary Payton the second was intentional or not, you know, you, you know, you can debate that all you want. But the fact is, Gary Payton the second is going to be out for at least the rest of the series, and that is a major loss for them. So. I think there's definitely a, an opportunity here for uh, Memphis to get past them. I'd still probably end up leaning towards picking Golden State, but I think out of all of these series, I think that's one of the most uh, of a toss-up. Going back to that that Memphis-Phoenix series, in what ways has Chris Paul the last couple of postseasons here begun to sort of reshape his, his legacy? He was a guy who had already put a Hall of Fame career together, but he had become so known for the disappointment in the playoffs, and and now, you know, they win the number one seed by a fairly wide margin. And now this is another really impressive postseason run that he's having. Is he a guy who had already cemented himself as a Hall of Famer that's now putting himself on a on another plateau here the last couple of years? Well, I don't think – I mean, I I think for people who really have, you know, followed his career, I don't think – I mean, I, I, I get that he has never won a ring. And so in that sense, yes, you can say that they're, you know, disappointing playoff finishes. But – if you go through a lot of those losses, you know, whether it be, you know, with Houston, with the Clippers, or, you know, wherever, not a lot of them you can really put on him and say he's the reason that they lost this series. And I think now this is just the perfect team that he has found himself on in terms of the depth that they have. They're so well coached with Monty Williams. Like, this is just, this is a great 
just this is just a great team that he's found himself on, and he they have enough talent that he's able to kind of and as great of a regular season as he had uh, statistically. He's kind of at the age now where he has to save himself for the playoffs, and or, you know, in terms of being able to you know go full throttle and be able to take over some of these games like he has uh, in you know at, at, in the first couple rounds of the playoffs, and so. Uh, they, they have so much talent that, you know, he's able to kind of pick his spots and do that. And now you kind of see what happens when he does pick his spots. He's still pretty effective. Sean Hyken joining us on the Circa Resort and Casino Hotline, Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. I'm Gabe Ramirez. He's Anthony Heron. Sticking with that particular series, Phoenix and Dallas, I'm, I, I look at Luka Doncic and I saw the moves that Dallas made, getting rid of Kristaps Porzingis and bringing in some more role players to fit, have a, be a better fit with Luka Doncic. Is he going to end up being a guy who's extremely talented but can never win the championship because of the way the roster needs to be constructed around him? Or are we just watching a guy right now with just not enough weapons to compete? I think it's way too early to be making proclamations like that about his career, but uh, I, this, this you just you see though, just watching this series, just how far away Dallas is from the talent level that they need to be at in order to be title contenders. And you know, Luca was really bad defensively in uh, Game Two, and he said it himself after the game. And I think that's something that he like he's never going to be a good defensive player, but I think he can you know not get blown by like he has so far in this uh, series is, you know, that's something for him to work on later on in his career. But yeah, this team is just this, this current Mavs team just doesn't have it. And back to the, the John Morant topic, I'm wondering the, the discussion of who to comp Ja with is, is continue to pick up more and more steam. We're just wondering, you know, whether he is a, a Derek Rose, is he a Russell Westbrook? And especially at this point in his development where you know, his game seems to have for his stature, this combination of explosion, force, but there's also maybe a little bit more finesse than guys with his athleticism have been able to display early in their career. Who do you see as a, a proper comp for John Morant? The Rose one is interesting to me. Uh, I but, you're, but I think I definitely you know to your point there is definitely more finesse than I think there was you know with the, with you know the peak version of Derrick Rose that you guys watched so much in Chicago. Yeah. I know people made that. I tweeted it out yesterday. Somebody said, uh, "Prime Derrick Rose, or, or yeah, Prime Derrick Rose is better than John Morant." And the guy was like, "I said what I said." And then I retweeted it, and I said, <laughs> "I retweeted what I retweeted." Because I mean, I mean I'm sure that's, right. that's the bias in, in me, but right. I think you're absolutely right. I think there's some some components there. He might need a, a couple of more years under his belt so that that mm-hmm. way he can have a resume that that can be discussed in the same uh, light as Derrick Rose. But I don't know. It'd be interesting to me. You know, speaking of the Bulls. Sean, I, I got to ask you a Bulls question before you get up out of here. And I keep looking at what the Bulls' needs are. And obviously a lot of people are pointing to shooting. And a, an individual who I feel like could fill that void and who's made his way towards the end of, of, of their bench is Duncan Robinson on the Miami Heat. I know he just signed a huge contract with them. But is, is there any possibility that Duncan Robinson or somebody cut from that cloth uh, can be playing for the Bulls next year? Well, they'd have to find a way to make the money work in a trade, but yeah, that's somebody. If you see him right now, he's not really playing much for Miami, so that's that certainly could be somebody to target. I, they don't really have that much to work with this off season in terms of pieces that they can really move. They don't really have a lot of future picks. They don't have a lot of 
salary that they can really move. So if somebody like Duncan Robinson might be kind of hard to uh, pull off a trade for. But, yeah, if they could get someone like that, he'd be, he'd be a good fit. Sean, I appreciate you hanging out with us today. Uh, thanks so much, and have a great weekend, all right? Yeah, you too. Thanks, Sean. NBA reporter for Bleach Report. That's Sean Hyken joining us right here on 670 Score. I'm Gabe Ramirez. He's Anthony Heron. And you know I had to sneak in the Bulls question. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no doubt and I, no surprise. Uh, I got to talk to him for 15 that. minutes about the Chicago Bulls and just uh, asked him a bunch of different questions and what his opinions were. But the Bulls need three-point shooting. Everybody knows it. But yeah. when you're a fan, you come up with these, you know, unrealistic scenarios. You're like, yeah, Duncan Robinson, he makes $90 million. So what? Right, Get him right. over here. I don't care yeah. what you got to do. Yeah, we're going to have Chris Middleton next season. <laughs> exactly. We're going to have all of them, man. I heard a rumor Giannis is unhappy. Out here. Yep. <laughs> yeah, it's like, yep. let's bring him over. Everybody's in Chicago next oh, season. Oh, man. Can't, can't wait for the season to kick off. Something else that I can't wait for is the Kentucky Derby. It's going to be happening now. Ant's never been to a, a racetrack in his life, right? Not a once. Nope, not a once. I went once for the free alcohol to Hawthorne, but I've never <laughs> experienced the Kentucky Derby. I, I never even watched the Kentucky Derby because they'll start oh, okay. doing they'll start doing the the coverage at like nine a.m. and yeah. the race is until like two. It's like I don't got time for that, right? And but, it's really hard to track when is the race supposed to begin because there's so much stuff that goes on all day. They're talking about the hats. They're talking about the racing surface. You're learning about all these horses that you pretty much hadn't heard of before the week leading into the race itself so there's a lot that goes on throughout the day leading into the actual race itself and anthony and i have a ton of questions and there is the perfect person to fill us in it is krista hay she is from kentucky she's a former co-worker of mine she's the promotions and marketing director over in uh at cumulus in, in nashville and we are going to be talking to her and see what what the vibe is like in kentucky what is the kentucky derby like in kentucky She'll hit us with her accent <laughs> and some answers right after this on 670 The Score. We sing one song for my old Kentucky home, for my old Kentucky home far away. Gabe Ramirez, Anthony Heron. Now, Brian, our producer extraordinaire right here, had you asked Ant to sing that song, he would have. I know this is a fact. Am I right, Ann, or what? enough time living in the South where I could probably pull off some version of it. Can't say I'm familiar with uh, my old Kentucky home, all the lyrics associated with it, but I, I could have came up with something. I know, I, know you got a, I know you got an old karaoke jam you got in your back pocket. Oh, yeah. When it comes right. to this kind of stuff. I'm nah, Gabriel Ramirez. Sweet Home Alabama or something like I, I, that. I, I've, listen, probably, I've heard that one a bunch. I know that you got something in your repertoire. I've heard you sing um, Bears Unleashed quite a few times, so I know you got something up your sleeve right there. Big wheels keep on turning. <laughs> I thought you were going to do All My Exes right Live in Texas, but I hang my hat in Tennessee. Uh, but we are going to hang our hat right now in Kentucky, and we're going to be talking to my girl, Krista Hayes. Krista, what up? Mm-hmm. Well, the sun shines bright on my old Kentucky home. Dude, we got the right person for the job right now, guys. Period. Period. How y'all doing? Thank you for having me. Of course. Krista Hayes used to be my co-worker here over at 104 Mm -hmm. Jams, our sister station at the Odyssey brand. But now she's in Nashville. But originally born and raised in Kentucky. That's right, right? Proud of it, honey. I bleed blue. Home of the bluegrass. I love that. Krista, talk to me first and foremost. I mean, listen, when you're... From Chicago, born and raised, you grew when you're growing mm-hmm. up. You saw Jordan, you watched Ryan Sandberg, you watched Frank yeah. Thomas, things like that. But in Kentucky, what is it like being a, a young child growing up where the Kentucky Derby takes place? Like, what is Derby weekend like? 
listen, basketball and horses. That's, that's the thing. That's what we grow up aspiring to see and watch live. If you're either going to watch Kentucky take home a national championship in NCAA basketball, (laughs) or you're gonna go all out and head to Louisville, Kentucky for Derby, but it's all about big hats. It's all about mint juleps. It's all about sneaking a little bit of your aunt's uh, secret punch when she's not looking. (laughs) And one big thing that happens every single year at Derby is just those house barbecues. Like there's no, there's no ribs like somebody's ribs Mm. at Derby time. And there's no, no maker's mark the way that you, it just hits over crushed ice when it's in Mm. Louisville Derby day betting it smell the whole city smells like barbecue even if you're actually at churchill downs attending the actual derby there's this barbecue smell that just permeates the air but mm. growing up in kentucky it's it's beautiful the only thing that sucks about derby is you have an 85 percent chance of it raining every <laughs> single year every year inescapable inescapable for some reason yeah i definitely feel you because in watching the the coverage it just seems like (laughs) maybe every other year at least they're recovering from rain or slopping through something so what would you say is your is there a favorite tradition associated with the derby with the day itself that you have whether it is the hat or the mint juleps or Mm -hmm. the 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 loud colors that folks are wearing (laughs) and the activity on the infield i mean what is it that you would put at the the pinnacle of that list that's a great great question i want to say the top two traditions that i've consistently stuck with even since i was a little girl is the derby day hat so i come from a family where my aunt is very locally known in Louisville because she makes derby hats. Everyone Mm. from Ashley Judd to, you know, just locals actually going to the Oaks or Thurby or actual Derby Day on Millionaire Row. But I've been getting custom-made tailor hats for my mother and myself and my aunts, gosh, for the past maybe 25 years. So derby hats, signature style, And the second is just that Derby Day betting, rather you're actually at the track if you're in the stands or if you're down closer to the track in Millionaire Row, there's this adrenaline that is unmatched when it comes to actually betting on horses. Or if you're at home with your family in Louisville, like I mentioned about the barbecues, your uncle's going around with his little new era hat tipped upside down <laughs> and you dr- drop your your horse's name in the pot and whoever wins is pretty much the celebrity of the night. So that betting and those derby hats are my top two traditions for sure. Krista Hayes, promotions and marketing director over in uh, Nashville. I, 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 Krista, I, I'm thinking about the Kentucky Derby. It takes mm-hmm. place tomorrow, Saturday, May 7th, and it says mm-hmm. 9.30 a.m. OK, it says it says 930 a.m. But I know damn well the race don't start at 930 a.m. No, no, <laughs> so, so no, no, why, no, it's why usually. Is, yeah. What is going on there in that time right there? I got things yes. to do. It's Saturday. Well, that's gates. Gates typically open early and there's all of the kind of preliminary races that just kind of build up that anticip- anticipation. But the actual like derby race, it's usually like. Not at six thirty. Lord have mercy. Oh, I get what? Forgive me. It's wow. an all day thing. Like oh, it's man. it's literally an all day thing. So it's it can start early in the day, but typically it's around six 
5.30 Eastern time, so okay. that's about 5.30 Central time. But it is an all-day thing, but you, you pretty much anticipate the actual Run for the Roses Derby experience. They're out there getting it in all <laughs> oh day. No wonder, oh, no wonder they're trashed. Actually, yeah. I've got some real tips. So if you're looking to win big, I have some oh, this is suggestions great. on how you can at least scale how to how to pick your horses when you're betting. And Heron, and Heron, Krista's Krista's uncle has put her on. I love this. We don't have to we can skip past the hat thing and we get the actual winner right here. This is great. <laughs> Krista, who who do you have? Who's your favorite over there? So my favorite this year is a horse by the name of Hoppert. And I say this because Hoppert is it's a it's a it's a versatile you got to prepare for the rain when that rain comes down and hits that track it's just it's it's unbelievable and the whole thing changes so i'm sorry not hopper but at the center okay. repeat that edit that okay. i don't know if this is live it's live, if it's live <laughs> krista you, you're a producer you know what this center. is right now i wrote it down in my notes so i'm looking at my notes and there's a specific sports analyst that i follow by the name of melissa hopper she's amazing okay. and when i was listening to her talk yesterday she had mentioned how epicenter has won a lot of races in Louisiana and they've had a lot of rain this season too. So I like to prepare for those versatile type running horses. Like there's horses that can just run on regular tracks, but then there's horses that can run in the mud. They can run in light mud, slushy mud, but epicenter is like my number one pick. And then there's Zandon again, a versatile type of style when it comes to racing and their odds are actually really high. And then Crown Pride. Crown Pride, there's something about that name that just permeates in my spirit. Mm-hmm. Man of War is one of the most winning horses in history, and that's a big horse back home in Lexington, Kentucky, where I'm from. And there's a there's a, a legend that says if that name speaks to your spirit, no matter what, always bet on that horse. So I love it. Versatile, versatile running. A name that speaks to your spirit and look at the odds. And last but not least, whoever is the oldest person in the family, trust that family member. If there's someone that is old and they know horses and they give you instructions and directions, you have to trust your elders because they they, they are in tune with your ancestors and they're not going to steer you wrong. Those are my top three tips for safe betting. And I, I don't know about you, man, but I'm, I'm ready to put a couple of dollars down on this thing. I know nothing <laughs> about the Derby, but when I hear somebody from Kentucky with an accent tell me who I should be betting, I'm just like, yeah, absolutely. I'll put $5 on that. Hey, the Chris, that definitely seems trustworthy, right? Right, exactly. <laughs> hey, Krista, thanks so much for hanging out with us today. I appreciate Aww. you jumping on, telling us that true down-to-earth Kentucky experience during the Kentucky Derby and give us, giving us some of your favorites. I appreciate you. Bless you, fellas. Thank you for having me. Happy right, Derby. Sister. Promotions and marketing director for Cumulus Media out there in Nashville. That's Krista Hayes. She is a aunt. She is a turnip. The minute she got here to Chicago, her and I clicked. And she's just a great soul, great person. And I knew, and she loves Kentucky. Oh my gosh, she loves her hometown so much. So I I knew she'd be there. She was describing things. Okay, Epicenter. I I looked at some of these people up. Epicenter, seven to two. 
which to me, you know, it's never the clear cut favorite that wins, or rarely is it in these kinds of races. Right. So when I see Epicenter at seven seven to two, I I think I right. smile happy. Another somebody else she said twenty to one, or excuse me, Crown Pride, who she mentioned is twenty to one. I'm gonna have to pass on that one. But listen, it, like most people, when you're betting on the Derby, you know nothing. Like don't nobody know about no horses. <laughs> nah, nah, definitely not. If you go in there trying to make money, you're probably messing up. But like Ryan Poles, Bears general manager, he was on with Mully and Hall this morning. He threw Tiz the Bomb out there. Oh, did he? He loved the name. Just because he loved the name. He said, hey, Tiz the Bomb is his horse. Well, she said if it speaks to, to his with. house, right? Or it <laughs> right? speaks to your heart, I'm sorry. Uh-huh. 30 yeah. to 1, though. I don't know, Ant. I like my money. That don't sound hey. like I'm going to win any of it back. Hey. But it'll, it'll pay off big, though, to pay off big if Tiz the Bond comes out with the win. And, I mean, we'll see because, obviously, there was some controversy last year. You had, like, Bob Baffert, the all-time great, uh, you know, horse trainer there who ends up, you know, uh, Medina Spirit, I think it was, who ended up testing positive afterwards. So yeah. that win was nullified from the Derby last year. And for whatever reason, because I, I guess there's still an investigation that's ongoing right now where Baffert's still able to put horses in the field this year – even though uh, I don't even even though of he'd been course banned. he can it's, yeah. it's it's horses it's people with money that t- dictate what happens in this sport and you know Buddy's gonna put some stuff out the reality is this and put money on whoever you want because if you start at nine thirty like they do you're gonna be trashed by the time the the race happens you're not even gonna know who you pick at that point so all right so set the scene for me you you've been to you've been to the track one yes. time I've watched. A, a good amount of horse races on television. Never actually been myself. Love casinos. You know, we were talking about the Chicago deal with Bally's coming up earlier, so everybody with good reason excited about that, the opportunities that's going to provide here in the city. But the horse track I've actually never been to before. It's an experience I want, even aside from the betting aspect of it. Yeah. But just to see, like, just on the hoof, a bunch of, like, there's going to be 20 horses that are going to be on the track at Churchill Downs tomorrow, just trying to win the the greatest race in in horse racing. And I don't know, I'd like to see that in person. It just seems like the type of thing that would just be really, really impressive to see 20 horses on the track, you know, a mile long, just going all the way around together, and especially all the buildup that goes into it. And, you know, obviously the anticipation for whether or not the winner would have a shot at the Triple Crown afterwards, but just the day itself tomorrow is going to be huge for the Derby. But just for me, having never been to a race, I'd be cool at any track just going to actually see it in person. So I feel like it's something I got to I gotta go check out. I mean, is it pretty cool just to watch it? I think the reality is if you're a sports fan, regardless of the sport, you love seeing the best of the best. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to horse racing, it's no different. And I'll, I'll never forget going to Hawthorne to check out the horse's race and it was the same experience I had going to an actual like car race, like a like an Indy five hundred type vibe, right? Where yeah. I'm a kid from the city, I never go to those things, right, and you don't, right. you, you really don't know how to appreciate it. But once you get to the track, and you understand, like in, in a car race, you understand that there's small races happening around the track, and you appreciate those for what they are. They're not not everyone, everything's happening to to win first place. And when it comes to the, the horse races, it's no different. I mean, you're watching these these animals that are gigantic with these these guys that are just, you know, gracefully riding them. And again, even if you don't understand the sport, if you are a fan of sports, you can appreciate the high level that these guys are at. And so so that's what you do. You get invested. And then, of course, the gambling is a huge part of it. You know, right. the cool thing is you could put 50 cents or a dollar. You don't got to break the <laughs> bank trying to do something like that. So, you know, anything that you can do to enhance the experience. But again, I think once you, it's more about, it's like I, I, I 
I liken it to baseball and the the duel that takes place between the pitcher and the batter. If you appreciate that, right? There's some people that hate baseball and think it's slow. There's some people that actually appreciate the duel. If you're one of those people, then you can appreciate a race no matter what's happening because, again, it's the the best of the best that are out there on the track. So, again, tomorrow, 9.30 a.m., if you want to start drinking that early, that's what time you can go ahead and check out the Kentucky Derby. The fastest mile will be taking place then. I'm Gabe Ramirez. He's Anthony Heron. We still have some some more uh, people to talk about on the Bears roster, specifically Valus Jones. He had a, a few things to say. And, and, and I got some more questions about this nickname um, that you have and, and, and some that, I've, that we received on this text line. I'll tell you my, my top three worst nicknames that I got on this text line when we come <laughs> back after this. It's Gabe Ramirez, Anthony Heron here on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Gabe Ramirez, Anthony Heron, right here on 670 The Score. We're going to open up the lines, Ant. My nickname is non-existent. I got my top three from the <laughs> listener line, the text line. But I know there's some, there's some cool ones that are out there. And so the score listening line is powered by BetQL, Bet Smarter, and Beat the Books. Download the BetQL app today or visit BetQL.com. The phone number is 312-644-6767. Again, 312-644-6767. And I'm not like everybody else on the score. I got no problem taking phone calls. I got no problem talking to the people, especially uh-huh. if you got some cool nicknames. So if you do have one, please call up right now. I can't wait to hear it. And had some. And why don't you remind the people what your awesome nicknames are so far? So I've had a, a number of them, a wide variety, a, a veritable smorgasbord of nicknames over the years. Honestly, one of my favorites that that just fizzled out at a certain point in college was Big Seal. I referenced that where uh, you know my <laughs> my appearance uh, once I got to Iowa City was compared to that of the the singer songwriter Seal. And so Big Seal was one that was fairly early in college that, you know, Big Ant just kind of took hold and, and, you know, just stuck where Big Seal just kind of fizzled out. But that was one of my favorites. But uh, prior to that, you know, I had all kinds of nicknames, Brain and Beaver <laughs> and Applehead and all kinds of different stuff. Kids can be mean, Ant. Yeah. Kids can yes, be mean. Kids can be vicious. But uh, I see you had a Heidi Klum thing, thing going on. That's probably why you like the Big Seal thing. Oh, that explains it. I mean, let's explain <laughs> exactly that right there. Is. But I think, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, Big Ant is the one that stands to reason. That's the one that makes the most sense. But it's been a, a number of, I mean, you know, there, there's also, uh, you know, KS, like the, the Lord of Turd Mountain, uh, if you will. Okay. Uh, if you uh, just use the acronym KS, I think you can probably surmise what uh, <laughs> you know, King, uh, King something was uh, one of my nicknames that I had at a certain point, too. Oh, just man. For the, uh, Grandpa was one of them. I, actually I can had, see that. I yeah, can see that one. Yeah, some T-shirts got printed up by teammates. Oh, wow. Who called me Grandpa Heron uh, back in the day. Okay. Uh, Scout. Uh, I was known as throughout some of my professional exploits. My teammates in Detroit used to call me Scout because we would do the scouting reports on opponents leading into games, and I'd break things down with a little bit of intricacy at times. And so some of the guys on the squad started calling me Scout for a bit. These are all fitting. 
had a had a number of nicknames over the years, man. I was very, very surprised with all the different folks you've interacted with, all the entertainment Trust personalities me. you've been around and you playing sports back in the day. I just would have thought there'd been more nicknames for Gabriel I like Ramirez that, that like would have stuck at some point. I like I like I like what you did there. No, I, I, it's unfortunate that I don't have a nickname because I got to be honest, that's probably one of my one of life's biggest regrets is that I don't have oh, a nickname, yeah. and I wish I would have had a cool one. Some some people when I was younger, but it was more like a torturous nickname where they called me lentes, and in Spanish that's like lenses, right? So oh, okay. I used to have glasses, but that didn't stick because it was just like one bully that like was there for a summer, and that's, but but uh, I always remember that. But on right. the text line, three one two six four four sixty seven sixty seven. Someone said, you're from B96, and now you're on the score, so maybe hip-hop Ramirez? Dude, that's terrible. Gee, yeah. flip-flop Ramirez. Maybe that would have been better for B96 score thing. Uh, somebody said, G-Jam. Bro, come on. You don't want... <laughs> the last thing you want is these producers G-Jam. making uh, promos to open the show. It's G-Jam. You got Rick Party. It's G-Jam. And Anthony <laughs> Heron on 670. The... Can't do it. And then yeah, Gabriel. Somebody said a hockey name, Gabriel. I don't get the hockey reference in that point there, Brian. Maybe you could explain it to like me. Like Caner or Taser. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, Gaber. Yeah, well, Mitch Rosen calls me that. This is Gaber. And I said, uh, oh, all right. That explains it. Yeah. So I could, And you I, didn't want to come off rude or anything, so you just kind of let Mitch ride, just didn't ask him why he was calling you Gaber. I just, you know, you, no, those no things kind of – Well, I know he, he called uh, uh, Les Grofstein Grobber. Right. And so uh-huh. I, I felt like he was paying homage, and I, and I felt oh, honored okay. that that was – you know, cut from the same cloth when he right. called me that, so I didn't mind that at all. Right. Anyways, but the name is Gabe Ramirez, and he's Anthony Heron. Someone said Gil Scott Heron. <laughs> Text line right now. I love it. Um, hey, before we get out of here, uh, don't forget, BetMGM Bet tonight is coming out. I was listening to them yesterday. They did a phenomenal job of keeping you up to date on what's happening in the sports gambling world. So make sure you stick around for them. They're, they're going to be jumping on right around 9 o'clock. But before we do that, we do have some – more audio to play. Let's, uh, Brian, let's jump into the to the Valus Jones quickly. Just go ahead and play that one for me. What have your interactions with Justin been like so far? I haven't seen him yet since I've been down here, but we've been texting. We've been texting on the phone and FaceTime and just, you know, manifesting what's to come. But, yeah, um, pretty much most likely I'll probably link up with him uh, when I get back out here. I love that. What, what, what manifesting what's to come. Hey, what, what, do, you, what do you think about – quarterbacks that link up with their wide receivers during the offseason is that is there a huge difference that can be made by those extra you know reps without defense or is that more just to become friends and 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 build that kind of a relationship uh it's definitely a lot about timing you know getting a sense for how your receivers like to receive the ball, you know, there's on certain routes, if a defender's in a certain position at a certain depth, then maybe you want it on the front shoulder as opposed to the back shoulder, or you know, maybe he likes the ball being just above his eyes because that's a, a comfortable catch radius form as opposed to right on the body, that sort of thing. And so you, you get a sense for that. And because different guys are, of course, of different speeds and different sizes, then as you're looking to throw the ball to them, then just the stature of a receiver being different can end up having you deliver the ball a little bit differently to, to certain guys versus how you would to other teammates. And so getting that timing down, getting a sense for where they receive the ball best, and especially where Justin Fields loves throwing the deep ball to be able to get a sense for where he needs to deliver it that's a comfort zone for some of the guys he's throwing it to. Those things, even without a defense out there, you can at least get a sense for the timing and, and where you actually want to deliver the ball that's just a comfortable spot for that player who's going to be catching passes from you 
and um, you know, and playing that sound for Valus Jones, I do think it's funny just where you you know think about a a rookie coming in and then the the presumptive starter, the returning starter at quarterback. And Valus Jones almost two years older than Justin Fields, where you know he's the draft pick who's coming <laughs> I didn't think in here, about that. <laughs> and you know he's a guy who's like, yeah, let me hit up the starting QB, man, see what I can do to help this guy win some championships. And you know he's got the right tenor about things, but it's just it's hilarious when you think about just the age he's coming into the league as a rookie. He's significantly older than the starting quarterback who was the starter last year for the Bears. That's hilarious. He starts his texts with, what's up, little bro? <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. He's up the starting quarterback. Exactly. Uh, I'm Gabe Ramirez. He's Anthony Heron. We're talking about Valus Jones Jr. And I mean, I think you're absolutely right. I can see now where, you know, if someone has a strong arm the way Justin Fields does, you have to be able to trust that you can put the ball up in the air mm. and that your receiver is going to get there. But if you don't have an understanding of their speed, then you don't really necessarily know. Like, can I use my arm till its fullest potential and put this thing down the field and because he, he's going to go get it? So I can see where that's important. Um, he did have an opportunity to talk about Devin Hester as well, Valus Jones Jr. When I think of Devin Hester, I think of greatness, um, fearless, um, it just seemed like everything, he slowed everything down um, from, like, his cuts, his decision-making. Like, we knew, even on Madden back in the days, like, he was, like, a 99 overall speed, or, I'm pretty sure. And so, like, his craft, um, it's just so much, you know, that um, goes with his game and stuff. And, you know, I've been watching him ever since, you know, I was young. Um, was a huge impact on my uh, return game as a kid. But... Uh, when the, when his name comes up, you know, I think of greatness. I love the Devin Hester reference. I mean, obviously there's the potential that Valus is going to be returning some of the kicks for us, but no shade of Devin. Hopefully he doesn't have the same wide receiver talents. <laughs> no shade no shade yeah. of Devin. Devin, no shade at you. We're just, you know, uh, being course. being truthful yeah. here. Yeah, no know? shade. No shade no, at no all. No shade at all. He wasn't a good receiver, but no shade. <laughs> thank, um, thank you. I'm glad you said the, it. Uh, <laughs> but – the the comparison though I think is an apt one just for a guy who who feels in some ways positionless or certainly multifaceted in where he can potentially help. There's not you know aside from it being a return man, which that's where he's definitively exceptional. Where else can he step in and be a big time contributor because of the modern NFL and how offenses work now? Because we've seen the success that a player like Debo Samuel's has had in recent years and what Cordero Patterson has been able to do in Atlanta and at various spots throughout his career, like even being a running back for a chunk of a season in New England with the Patriots. So we've seen receivers who are not necessarily your classically gifted route runners and smooth catchers still have a role beyond their return skills. And so I wonder, you know, maybe if a Devin Hester were, were in the league in the modern NFL, he's still, you know, different in running style than some of these guys were referencing and comparing. He's not, you know, one of these kind of, you know, burly guys after the catch that, you know, can really run through tacklers and be used as that extension of the running game in as yeah. effective a way. But that being said, you know, you love the fact that Valus Jones at least has that, you know, is, a, is able and willing to pay homage to Devin Hester, what he meant to the Bears, and seeing one of the great return men of all time put that Hall of Fame caliber career together. And for Jones, there's a role like that that will, that should, that will likely be available to him for the Bears and beyond the return game to pick that up on the offense. You know, it's good that he's taken because he is the receiver 
that they went ahead and drafted this year. So while most of us are expecting, all right, we, we're confident he's going to be effective as a return man. And then from there, what role can he maybe have in the offense? And I really think it's interesting with the great, we played a chunk of that interview that Mully and Haw did with Ryan Poles for you earlier in this show that they did with him this morning. It's a great interview they did. If there were one question that I would have loved to, to hear them ask Ryan Poles if they would have made time for it, it would have been about the conversation that Ryan Poles was telling the media that he was having with Justin Fields yes. leading into the draft, just talking to Justin Fields about some of the receivers that he was evaluating and those prospects and maybe just get, you know, get some of that gray area colored in a little bit specifically from Ryan Poles about how those conversations went and, you know, specific to Valus Jones because he did say Valus Jones was one of the players that he and Justin Fields watched together. Be curious to hear that. And, you know, maybe Valus Jones even addresses that at some point just in hearing that, that Justin Fields as a quarterback it would seem perhaps signed off on him becoming a member of, of the Chicago Bears. It's got to be a pretty cool thing. And let me ask you this. and we got about like 30 seconds before we wrap it up here. Whether it's Velas Jones Jr., whether it's Debo, whether it's you know a guy like Devin Hester, how he was trying to be implemented into the offense, you hear the word gadget a lot. Mm-hmm. Do you look at that as a bad word when it comes to a receiver? Or, or do you feel no. like, hey, this is someone, that's just a word that's used to show you that you're going to be able to contribute to this team? You know, for me, just in, in evaluating how important a role can be for an offense, I don't view it as a bad thing at all. Now, for like Debo Samuels, where he's at in his career, where he's trying to transition into being a full fledged receiver and being viewed as a guy who can be a number one receiving target. He probably views it as a little bit of a negative just because it, you know, you're calling him a gadget guy. It means that you have to find tricky ways to get him the ball because you can't count on him to just consistently win on the outside. So I think for for a guy like that, he doesn't love that sort of tag that's with him. But for me, just viewing it from the big picture of the offense to have a gadget guy who can do that effectively is a really good thing for the Bears to be able to take advantage of. Hey, man, get the man the ball so he can get into the end zone. That's what okay. we're going to be looking forward to this upcoming season i'm gabe ramirez he's anthony heron thank you guys so much for hanging out with us today want to say a special thank you to our guests lou canellis from fox 32 mitchell armantrop mitchell armantrop from the sun times mitch sean hyken from bleacher report and of course my girl krista hayes who put us on to everything derby related and of course we got to give a shout out to the newest nickname that we gave out today b smut be smooth. No, 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 no ending to that because he said he messed up a couple of live oh, reads. I, I ruined a whole bunch of them. <laughs> I, I don't know if I'm going to be coming back here, guys. So, self-proclaimed <laughs> uh, chopped nickname right there. But Brian, we appreciate you a ton. And of course, Bet MGM tonight is coming up right after this. So again, for Gabe Ramirez, Anthony Heron, thank you guys so much for hanging out with us tonight. This is Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for twenty-five dollars per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. Five dollars more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at twenty-four monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. Thirty-five dollars per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, oh, oh.